there, and welcome to You Love to See It, Fanbyte's movie review podcast. Every month, we pick a theme. Every week, we watch a movie, and then we decide where its VHS tape belongs in our delightful neighborhood video store. We'll judge whether it's got an advanced enough software to steal our clothes, boots, motorcycles, and a spot in our staff pick shelf, whether it's no mimetic polyalloy, but it's no ramshackle human either, and therefore earns a spot in our totally fine middle aisle, or if it is nothing but a face-leaking creep who deserves to be nuclearly blasted straight into our dreaded dumpster, where every day is August 29, 1997, and no one moves their arms when they run. <laughs> Working the counter today, we have yours truly, Fernanda, I know now why you cry, Pratis, and my fellow neural net processor, Danielle, sweaty pull-ups, Riondo. Hi, Danielle, how are you doing? I am ready for Judgment Day, the day where we judge the movie called Judgment Day. <laughs> Amazing. It's a shame it's not coming out on August 29th, but close enough. It's August. It's pretty close. Yeah. It's pretty close. It's, it's close. A, a day in August. We got the month. I feel like we deserve props for that. It was totally exactly. something we thought through, not an accident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain all of this in a bit, though. First, let's remind our listeners what we're doing here this month. And that is, we are exploring some of our all-time favorite movies after accidentally ripping a hole into a hell dimension and finding out that reality isn't all it's cracked up to be. So we are escaping it for just a little while longer. Welcome to Doom Month, because, well, here we are. And this week, we are once again trying to stop Skynet from being total assholes with 1991's Terminator 2 Judgment Day, also known as T2. Same make. These were taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. You don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now, his mission... Get down! ...is to protect it. Come with me if you want to live. You're really real. His loyalty is to a child. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now. And his enemy... He's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. ...is the deadliest machine ever built. Can it be destroyed? Unknown. This time, there are two. Terminator 2. Okay, so we are about to fly into our first segment called Setting the Scene, which is where we introduce the movie at hand and have a little spoiler-free chat about our own personal histories with it. But first, to those unfamiliar with the story, first of all, what the hell are you doing with your life? Go fix this right now. This is absurd. But also, here is a brief 
summary. Terminator 2 Judgment Day is the sequel to The Terminator, both starring the only good Republican Arnold Schwarzenegger. This time, however, instead of trying to destroy Sarah and John Connor, Arnie is sent to the past to protect them from the advances of Skynet, which this time has sent an even more advanced prototype to the past. Amidst all the chasing, shooting, and exploding, Arnie's T-800 learns some stuff about humans, while Robert Patrick's T-1000 turns into knives and melts through metal bars and shit. It's pretty rad, honestly. But we'll get into all the intricacies of the movie in due time. First, we shall continue on with our, again, spoiler-free setting the scene segment. And this is an interesting one because... uh, As we explained in the intro, we're doing kind of our favorites. I picked the first movie of the month, Robocop. Danielle is going to pick the movie uh, that we're going to do next week. But this one, Terminator 2, was kind of a mutual one. We we both share uh, a love for this uh, specific cinematic masterpiece. So I'm very (laughs) interested in what we're going to come to here. But first... Danielle, please tell me a little bit more about your relationship with not just T2, but also your uh, Terminator history. Yeah, absolutely. So I have kind of a funny one in that I remember this movie coming out. I was six, I think, maybe seven, probably seven. I was probably seven. And like, I remember it being a cultural phenomenon, but didn't see it until a little bit later. And Mm. I am pretty sure... I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the first time I actually encountered the Terminator, like, franchise was a ride slash show at Universal Studios Orlando, which was, like, actually a pretty great show. I'm only saying it's a ride because I think the seats move a tiny bit, but it's not like they really, really move. It's, like, in a theater. And the whole thing was, like, a wonderful... They got rid of it for, like, a horrible, terrible, like... Transformers piece of shit thing. So it's like real sad. Uh, Universal used to have some banger like shows. There was like a really Mm -hmm. amazing show about like Hitchcock and his classic movies, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this was extremely cool. And it was like, oh, it's framed as a presentation that Cyberdyne Industries was going to show you their new robots. And then of course it kind of goes wrong. And then Mm -hmm. a person on an actual motorcycle comes out on a stage and it's like, oh, it's the Terminator. And oh my God. And it's like a 3D movie and a whole thing. I was very excited about all of this shit. And then I actually saw this movie, thought it was great. Thought it was like an action classic, just like a perfect, I, even though I know it's early nineties, I sort of think of it as like I think of it as an 80s movie. And this is something maybe we'll talk about later, but like, I just think of it as like, so in keeping with the abyss and aliens that like, Mm -hmm. it's just like the, you know, it just came out a little bit later, but it's still like in that time, that early 90s time of like, just the prototypical action movie that has a heart kind of thing, you know? Um, So yeah, long, long and storied history with this movie and this franchise. Love the first movie as well. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a vibe. It's such a, it's vibe. a vibe. And it's like a if you like James Cameron movies, this is this is like the one. I would say this and Aliens are like that's what's going on with James Cameron. No love for uh, Avatar. You know, has he <laughs> has he lost some of his touch? I don't know. Or have, have we lost touch with him? I don't know. But this no, is like where Avatar it's at. is just not good. Basic. I don't. I don't know. I don't remember. I saw it in theaters and haven't seen it since. So I'm like, I don't even know. 
I don't I, I think no. There's no movie that I think I've seen that I remember less of that I sure. saw like in the movies with no distractions. Yes. But yes. That's a really good point. I know there's some, you know, flying dinosaur action and the guy and Sigourney Weaver's in it. And yeah, that's that, that's literally the only yeah. thing I remember. Yeah. Which <laughs> granted, we'll upgrade a movie automatically. Just right, that's a there. that's a plus, you know. Even but, the movie with isn't there a movie with her and um I always forget her Jennifer Love Hewitt. They play Okay, Hammer. I actually love that movie. I'm not gonna lie. Heartbreakers is actually a hysterically funny movie. Heartbreakers. I think it was it's directed by like a Simpsons writer, like a longtime Simpsons writer, and has that sense of humor, and that is like a genuinely very funny movie. I'm just putting that one out there. So, I saw it a yeah. bunch when I was a kid. I don't know. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Well, th- again, proof that Sigourney Weaver is just Sigourney Weaver. It's, it's like, just incredible. Yeah. She exists incredible. in a realm different than ours. <laughs> Unfortunately, she's not in this movie, but um, that did not keep me from fully appreciating it. When I think, like, the history, it's kind of like similar to Robocop and that. I kind of grew up with the Terminator as this like mm. vague presence in my life. Like everybody knew who the Terminator was. It was just like we made Terminator jokes. We all talked about the Terminator, but I had no idea what the Terminator actually did. I had I didn't watch the movies. I just I maybe watched bits and pieces when I was a kid, but I had no like real sure. uh connection to it. And then Kind of like with RoboCop 2 in my early 20s, um, I watched one and two kind of in a row. And I, as I have been known to do, I made the movie my entire personality. (laughs) I just became completely, ridiculously obsessed with it to the point that like my ringtone was the the theme song that we were just um, singing along to before. Okay, well, well, you you know what we're talking about, okay? A banger, a timeless banger. Um, And and mind you, again, I was in my early 20s. I was not a child anymore. It was no longer cute to have, like, little theme ringtones. (laughs) I actually paid money for that. And then, like, (laughs) I was working at a newspaper, like with actual people who wrote the newspaper. And then suddenly the Terminator theme would come on. And you think I was embarrassed, but I wasn't. I was very proud. I was like, look yes. how cool I am yes. with my little Terminator ringtone. Oh. So that's, um, I actually have Sarah Connor as my Slack icon, as you guys know. So Yes, yes, you do. Uh, and I have a Terminator tattooed on the back of my other leg. It's Robocop in one. And then... Um, the T-800 uh, prototype, the exoskeleton. Uh, it's not actual Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not that it makes... I think it makes it a little bit better, I think. Uh, <laughs> tattoo on my leg. So, again, I gotta let people know of my bias <laughs> going into this one. But I promise, uh, we talked about this with Robocop, and I'm sure it will come up again. There's no such thing as a perfect movie. Uh, and sure. I am keeping sure. an open mind and heart to discussing the uh, negative aspects of T2 as well, though I'm not sure they exist. But okay, we'll, 
<laughs> we'll, we'll engage this argument earnestly. Uh, fair, fair, yes. <laughs> in our next segment, uh, which we like to call Stripping It Down. Tripping it down, as our dear listeners already know, is the part of the episode where we discuss specific details of the film, including aspects of the plot and characters, otherwise known as spoilers. So again, if you haven't watched this movie, first of all, address this, fix your life. I hate to quote this <laughs> gift, but I'll do it. The Michael Jordan gift. Stop, get help. Like this, there's no excuse <laughs> for you to be a person existing in 2022, not having watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day. But in case you haven't and you still want to listen on, um, there will be spoilers. Uh, so now you know. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> first of all, something I feel we can all agree on, Danielle. Like yes. this is the main... I feel like there's no disliking the character, Sarah Connor. She really became sort of the quintessential action movie female badass. And I think there's a good reason for that. And I do think that rewatching it again yesterday for this episode, I kind of saw some layers to her that I hadn't before. Like I had in my mind that she was just total badass. I had kind of forgotten that she has these moments of vulnerability, of fragility, and of just being like a a, a person who yeah. is conflicted about, you know, the mission that she has. Um, and just just said it layers. She too contains multitudes. Yeah. You know, and, it, uh, and of course, she's played by Linda Hamilton, who... Um, kind of stepped away from the spotlight before she reprised the role just recently in the newer Terminator uh, with uh, Mackenzie Davis. Mm. And I will talk about this in a little bit. There's a very good New York Times profile piece kind of talking about the whole experience, but I do feel like she completely nails the character of Sarah Connor to the point that I feel like all of us probably have a hard time picturing anybody else doing it. But I wanted to hear from you. Like, what are your feelings and thoughts on the character of Sarah Connor and particularly as played by Linda Hamilton. Yeah, absolutely. She So she really is like a very formative character for me because when I was young, when I was little, I wanted to be a lady with muscles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? This is like <laughs> Lady with muscles trademark. Me. It's an lady, entity. Right? Like lady with muscles. Not a whole lot in the cultural iconography, especially as a sheltered, tiny child who didn't have access to the internet. Mm. There was no internet. I didn't have that. I mean, there was probably, you know, ARPANET or whatever, but that's not something I had until I was mm. like a teenager. Um, so like, this was like, oh, she's powerful. She can do pull-ups. She has muscles and shoulders. And not just that, she's super powerful and muscular, like physically powerful, but also really fucking smart. She mm -hmm. figures out every puzzle in front of her, right? Like, she she figures out how to get out of this shitty shithole system, uh, you know, where she's being put in this, you know, literal psychiatric hospital. Like, I had a really interesting thought as I was watching this. Um, I didn't put it in my notes, but it was something that sort of, like, resonated a little bit with me. Like, oh, 
We have a little bit of connective tissue here with another great 1991 film with an amazing woman protagonist. That would be, of course, Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. Like, both of them spend a lot of time in psychiatric hospitals. Both Mm. of them are, like, you know, kind of badass, badasses without necessarily even looking like it. Like, Sarah Connor looks more like a badass. She physically is powerful Mm -hmm. and has, like, you know, physically powerful, like, shoulders and everything. But it's not like... You wouldn't look at her from across a football field and think like, oh, watch out. You know, no. she's still She's not wearing looking. sleeves, we wouldn't know. <laughs> right. And like, it's not like she's a massive, massive human. Like, she's not. She's, she's pretty normally that. sized. She just, you know, has muscles. She puts on right. a sweater. We have no idea that well, you, you that lady know. can yeah. kill you. So still like relatively unassuming in a lot of ways and going up against very, very male sort of systems. Here, obviously, it's like an existential threat to humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's that, you know... People wage war and, you know, progress. The military-industrial complex is bad, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And there, it's like serial killers are bad, but also, you know, the entire law enforcement apparatus is not great, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like kind of <laughs> thinking about this the whole time. Also, also starring women who, you know, are queer uh, in yeah. real life or have had times of queerness. <laughs> Linda, Linda Hamilton did? I didn't know. I believe so, which is all anybody talked about in my circles. And I mean, Ooh, in a okay. horrible negative way, like, Oof. I don't I don't remember who said it, but some relative of mine was like, oh, yeah, she's a lesbian now, which is always like, oh, that's fantastic. Which also <laughs> means like, oh, I should I should figure out what happened uh, with her because that's cool and good. And everyone in my family does not understand why that's cool and good. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Also, she's 5'6". She's not a huge person. She's not, like, super tall or anything. Just just saying. So, yeah, this is all to say very, very, very formative for me. Uh, very, very aspirational for me. I mean, obviously, like, she does... We'll talk about this later. We'll talk about this later. There, there are some optics about, like, you know, her going after Dyson's family that are, like, a little much, maybe, sometimes... Uh, but otherwise, like, she's a fucking badass. She's trying to save humanity. She has a kid, and she does have this vulnerability, too. She's still human. Like, she has not become a robot in trying to Mm -hmm. fight the robots, which I think is a very important point. So, yes, incredible performance, incredible character, iconic in every way, and just really magnetic on screen as well. Yeah, I feel like this... (laughs) Uh, the part where, well, here's the thing, right? Like the whole concept of the movie is like she's on a mission. Um, she has to protect the world from blowing up from a nuclear blast and save three million lives. So you can understand why she would be a little ruthless uh, in yeah. the way she goes about it. Um, unfortunately, that means she goes into this poor scientist's house who hasn't done anything wrong yet. And... Uh, very minority report shit. Like, he's <laughs> yes. paying yeah. for crimes. Uh, he has yet he to commit. Um, he's a scientist and she goes out shooting. And the only reason why he doesn't die right away is because his kid shows up playing with a truck. So she could have just slaughtered this family. She does have like a crisis of conscience when it comes time to actually shoot him. And then she breaks down. And that's like one of the, the that's kind of the moment where it's supposed to kind of reveal Sarah Connor's humanity, right? Like, oh, she really is. Because she had to really become machine-like. And that's shown in the early scenes where she's doing the perfect 
straight pull-ups, by the way. Yeah. The reason oh, why yeah, I good. still work out. My dream. My <laughs> dream uh, I don't think I, again, I cannot do pull-ups. I think I was just assembled wrong. And like, this is just not in the cards for me. But I will continue aspiring to that from that scene. Um, and, you know, she breaks out of the uh, mental institution by basically manipulating uh, the situation and being incredibly smart about it. And then, you know, you have that moment where the smart thing would would be to kill Dyson in a way, right? Well, it wouldn't be because then we find out that there's a bunch of stuff and a bunch of research that they would have had to destroy too. So just killing him would have been stupid, actually. Uh, <laughs> but then again, uh, the... You know, convincing him that you have come from the future uh, to warn him that he's about to cause uh, a nuclear holocaust <laughs> does seem like like a stretch. So you can see, yeah, you can see yeah. where her yeah. mind was at at the moment. I, like, I oh, do <laughs> get it. Yeah, there is sufficient motivation here for sure. For sure, like, this sucks. Uh, but you can see w- what she was thinking, and then you realize at that moment, like she has that breakdown. You're like, oh no, she's still like. A person and a mom because uh Edward Furlong uh John Connor appears and, and they have the little moment. But I do um I love that the fact that Sarah Connor as this badass, which is a departure from the first movie, right? The whole idea of the first movie, she's this kind of like lost uh ingenue, she doesn't know what's happening, then Kyrie's appears and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you can see, like, she's building towards becoming, like, a warrior. But she's not one yet. In this movie, she's a total badass. And I love that this was actually because of Linda Hamilton. Um, In this uh, New York Times piece that I uh, mentioned that came out in the sort of the wake of the newer Terminator, which she did, by the way, at age 62, and she still looks shredded. Fuck yeah. Uh, Yep. Yep. But, um... She talked about when James James Cameron called and she talked about how she had nightmares and stuff because after the first movie and when James Cameron, yeah. who ended up becoming uh, notoriously her husband, um, offered her the role for the second movie, she was like, okay, but this time I want to be a badass. <laughs> I don't want to be <laughs> yeah. damsel in distress. You know, I want to be a bad bitch, basically. And uh, yes. not her words, mine. Uh, and then he said, even in this piece, is quoted as saying, I wrote it to the hilt based on her directive. So good on you. Good on you, God. Linda Hamilton, for giving us this particular badass Sarah Connor. But it was very interesting because uh, she talked about how the little hiccup on this situation was that she was six months pregnant. Ah, uh, when oh she got god. the offer. <laughs> She's, oh my god! And in her words, "I carry my babies big." Um, <laughs> and she, right after that, like she was married to the actor Bruce Abbott. And then, uh, by the time they had a finished script, I'm reading this from the New York Times. By the time he had returned with a finished script, Hamilton was mothering her newborn son Dalton, and Abbott had asked for a divorce. It was hardly the ideal time to take on such a demanding action film. Yet Hamilton saw it as opportunity to pour everything she was feeling into Sarah. Having been left, I just needed to get up on my feet and be strong and do nothing but mother my child and get ready for this film, Hamilton said. You wake up all alone with your body and go, hmm, these aren't hips anymore. 
more, their flanks. To give myself permission to be that powerful, strong woman was necessary for my survival. Which is very interesting. Like, apart from the sort of like body idea of it, of course, you don't need to look a certain way to be strong. That's, you know, her physique in this movie, I bet, came like with some misery. Um, we sure. talked about Demi Moore's strip tease, right? Like, this is different, but I'm sure there was a lot of like dieting and working out really hard. And I don't know, I'm not going to accuse anybody of taking steroids, but it's Hollywood. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so it's not about just that, but I th- do think it's interesting that, you know, she was in this moment of personal fragility and strengthening herself within this character uh, was also something that helped her in the personal life. Like, I just thought yeah. that was very interesting. And maybe that's what comes through in Sarah, in a way. I think it because, does. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I really think it does. And like, there is something about this. One of my main things here that I do want to talk about, and this is like, to be clear, it's a movie I do love, but my, mm-hmm. my main, if it's even criticism, I'm not sure, but it's like a, a thing I think about every time I watch this. It's kind of the same thing that I think about every time I watch Aliens, which is the sort of like, there's a lot of family dynamics here, right? Yeah. There's a lot about this um, that is like this character as a fucking badass who is strong and smart, physically mm-hmm. powerful here, uh, can can do all the things, is also vulnerable, is also human, but also, mm-hmm. also, also is a mom. It's happening yeah. in both of these movies, right? Um, for me, it's not necessarily my favorite thing, at least in Aliens. I It works here to some extent because it is that sort of like, all right, she is doing this uh, to protect her son, she is doing this because her son is the only hope for humanity. <laughs> and it's that, like, that's, that's an extra layer, <laughs> right? Like, that's another layer here that's like, yeah, he's the one who can be the commander who has any shot at killing all the machines. Like, Therefore, we gotta, we gotta go extra, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, losing my son would be a personal loss, but also a literal loss to the entire planet. So, also, no we're pressure, all going to fucking die if we lose my son. So, like, maybe <laughs> listen to me, you know? <laughs> but it does, like, that quote that, that you have about, like, she has war in her eyes. Like, she is focused. She is determined. She has it. And, like, I do actually like that the actress, like, put herself into it to that extent. Mm-hmm. Like, that, again, I'm sure there's personal pain here as well. But, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, that I don't know if it's worth it or not. I'm not that person. But yeah. it does appear that she did make some lemonade from the situation, is all I'm saying. Like, if it, if it is yeah. this beautiful performance, that is a cool thing for us to appreciate uh, without putting a value judgment on it. Yeah. It could be, yeah. it could be worse. She could be me suffering and not making art out of my <laughs> Right. Like, <laughs> all, all this personal misery just lost, you know? Just... And she, she is, like, very, very upfront about uh, how she has suffered from bipolar disorder, how mm-hmm. she has suffered really, really horrifically from mental health issues. And that, like, you know, she's been very open about that and, like, how she's tried to manage it and how she's tried to, like, get through things in her life, um, which I think is amazing. And maybe there's yeah. some of that in this performance, too. I mean, obviously, it's in the text in, like, a real obvious way that, like, she is stuck in a horrible psychiatric hospital, like, an abusive, I guess, content warning here just to say, uh, like, an abusive psychiatric hospital environment like yeah awful 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 like for someone who you know i 
I'm not saying I have anything like her struggles, but I have mental health issues myself. Mm -hmm. Like that's a nightmare environment. Like that is an absolute nightmare. Like how could you not maybe use some of that in your acting and like how badly you want to get out and how much you have to put into yourself to get Mm -hmm. out. The way she trains herself as the the character trains herself to be physically strong, to make an escape. How she like times her escape so perfectly, you know, how she gets through the the creeps and the, the awful, awful people, how she makes her way through is like, I think actually kind of inspiring. I'll say it. I think it is. Um, it and is the fact inspiring. that the actress kind of, I, I maybe I'm applying a little bit here, but she is very, very open about uh, struggling with mental health. Like I have to assume she, she used some of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Another like interesting aspect of it to me is also like in the same story, they kind of talk because so her and James Cameron went on to have like what appears to have been a pretty like tumultuous. uh, Like a two year marriage. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah. And that it was like uh, she talked about like just being distraught for years after it ended and and everything like that. And then she talks about how she feels like James Cameron and her both kind of fell in love with Sarah Connor. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Right? And that, like, that ended up wrapped. Um, and to me, that's just so wild because you like to think, and we talked about this, right? We see these people involved in these movies, especially the high-budget, super, yeah. like, prolific guys like James Cameron. And you like to think, you know, they come in, do their job, leave, and their lives are their lives and their artistic lives. And, and then you see, like, no, they're not above, like, kind of... In wrapping like their most inner selves around this kind of thing. And like the fact yeah. that she kind of fell for, he kind of fell for Sarah is just very interesting. And something I would, I would think that has to happen to actors, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Like that you end up becoming your character in some ways so or that people end up projecting your character in you. And if you have a character like Sarah Connor, which shapes someone's career to this such this huge extent right like it must be very uh interesting to navigate life as yourself <laughs> and try to real. remind people like no i'm not this badass vagrant who you know is out there saving mankind i'm just a person i'm just linda <laughs> um that's gotta yeah. fuck with you right <laughs> Yeah, the one little quote, uh, just a gossipy thing, because I like to throw it in, because she mentions it it in the story. She says, the relationship with uh, James Cameron was a mystery to all of us, even Jim and (laughs) myself, because we are terribly mismatched. She said, I used to say we fit together like a puzzle. Everywhere he's convex, I'm concave. So, so, so intelligent, so smart, such vocabulary. Yeah. Good on you, Linda. (laughs) But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this story is by Kyle Buchanan, who also, um, if I'm not mistaken, wrote that Mad Max oral history that I talked about in our Mad oh, Max episode, yes. the Fury Road episode, which, by the way, is amazing and you should listen to it. Uh, yes. But um, yeah, it's very interesting little piece and kind of like touches on all of that. And then obviously returning uh, at 62 to a role she kind of like distanced herself from into a life she distanced herself from because she apparently is not like big on the spotlight. Um, And, you know, her decision to, to return to the role. Um, There's also some interesting bits like James Cameron saying she could be the female Bruce Willis if she wanted to. And she was like, I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) What do I want to do? (laughs) Yeah. She wants to be Linda Hamilton. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I would love to be the female Bruce Willis, but, you know, I can also understand uh, not wanting to be. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that Sarah Connor is like an obvious character to love, but I would like to use this time to make yes. my case, okay, for a less revered character. Oh, if yes. If you say the name John Connor, everybody knows who you're talking about. John Connor, leader of the resistance. He saves, like, the world. But in the first movie, obviously, it's not about him. It's about Reese. And right. obviously, uh, Linda Hamilton, um, Sarah Connor. But in this movie, John Connor is a kid. So it's also... And he's sharing the screen with Robert Patrick, who is just amazing as this sociopathic robot that can turn into metal <laughs> shit. Um, yeah. Arnie, of course. My good friend Arnie, we've established that's how I call him since we took that one picture together. He's numero uno. And you numero know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and obviously Linda Hamilton. And I understand why those characters would be, you know, he's just the kid while those characters are sort of like the, the breakout stars. But in watching this movie last night, I was really impressed with John Connor, the yeah. character, as played by Edward Furlong. He is an absolute badass. He's nice. He's human. He can ride bikes. He has a really cool friend with a mullet who doesn't snitch on him. <laughs> he pronounced Nicaragua so perfectly yeah. in a very, like, casual way. I was very impressed. He stops the Terminator from killing people. Granted, he's still destroying their knees, which, as we know, is a nightmare thing to heal from, but still, better than death. <laughs> he saves Sarah. He rushes to keep Sarah from killing Dyson. He, he, he kindly, kindly approaches Dyson's son and says, let's go to the other room, yeah. child. So he doesn't see Arnie revealing his mechanic arm. He can hack into shit. He's got a good sense of humor. He's got A-plus sense of style. And he can tell his real mom from fake mom. I rest my case. John Connor <laughs> deserves more justice. That's all I'm going to say. Honestly, you've made the case. I, I'm 100%. <laughs> I've always, I always kind of liked him. Yeah. You know, and he's like, he's like a fairly relatable kid, too. Mm -hmm. But he's not an annoying kid, which is like, mm -hmm. I know that sounds so basic, but that really helps. Oh, that yeah. really, really, really helps a lot. And like, yeah, I fully agree with you. He's sensitive and he's kind and he understands people. You're, you got it. You totally got it. I, yep. John Connor, a real one. I'll drink to a that. Real one. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. You know? I feel, like, I feel like watching the movie for the first time, like it'd be easy to sleep on John Connor. Right, right. Because, you know, you just have so much going on. And then this time I was like, I was so impressed. He's like, you just can't kill people. And then <sighs> Arnold's like, why not? It's just trust me on this. Even his asshole <laughs> foster parents, he's like, they're assholes, but I got to call them to let them know that they're about to die. Yeah. Beautiful he thing cares. he cares. He cares. Empathetic, sensitive. Sean Connor. Can we pour John one out Connor. for Mullet Kid, too? Mullet Let's Kid. Let's pour one out for Mullet Kid, who like, <laughs> you know, Ginger he Mullet was a kid. real one. He, he, didn't, he didn't snitch. 
He was a real, he didn't have many lines, but he was a real one. He was, dude, the cops, the, like Robert Patrick as a cop stops and asks those two girls if they know Sarah Connor. They just snitch right away. Snitched up and down there. the road. <laughs> Talking to this cop. <laughs> Who knows what the kid is up to? You need yeah. to protect your own. Well, mullet kid, he just looks at him straight in the eye and says, nope, no idea who that is. What Amazing. a real one. What amazing. What a real one. That's real loyalty right there. You don't and have many lines, but you make the most. <laughs> <laughs> so many underrated characters in this movie. But yeah, I made my case for John Connor. And I think he's actually played. I was actually, I saw uh, Terminator Genesis and completely forgot all about it. Oh, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a movie that I... Sorry, go ahead, please. You saw it? Did you see it? I I think I did. Now, I forget (laughs) which one was Genesis and which one was something else. Genesis is the one with Emilia freaking Clark as Sarah Connor. I think I saw that one. Uh, And uh, Jason Clark as John Connor. And I really like Jason Clark. Uh, Yeah. He's a very... Versatile uh, actor, but he is. He is. is. Amelia Clark. I'm sorry. I nurture a very rational hatred for her. I think she's a terrible actress. Oh, is it? Is it the wig that she had to wear all that time? (laughs) Was it the wig? Because I understand. (laughs) Like (laughs) that wig is like bigger than her body. I don't know. Like that wig is. I'm sorry. I'm going down a different path here, but like I'm trying to I'm trying to understand the deep dark recesses of your psyche and I get it. You know, I I do get it. You um, don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. <laughs> um yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I I have a recollection of John Connor being a good character in this movie. But again, I don't remember a lot, so I don't want to commit too hard to this narrative. <laughs> Honestly, John Connor as Edward Furlong is a definitive John Connor. Is my is my final take on this situation. I I suppose. All right. Well, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to pause it to you. Like the Terminator movies and the Alien movies have so much in common, including that of course James Cameron directed the second of each iteration, which is a beloved, Mm -hmm. incredible movie in both. um, Of course. And both of them kind of go off the rails, although I would argue that Alien 3 is actually a great movie. Um, I like it. Isn't it David Fincher? It is, yeah. So I actually think that's like a great movie where I don't know that I would say that about Terminator mm-hmm. 3. Yeah. You know, Kristana Loken is very underrated. I actually think she's underrated. Like, I, I don't think she's bad. But that movie wasn't the best, but like, they also both have a, a somewhat of a problem with they kind of blend together in terms mm-hmm. of like what happened in the fourth one versus the yes. fifth one versus Absolutely. the eighth one. I now I think just because I'm so alien oriented, I can keep them pretty straight. And I also actually <laughs> like Prometheus and I actually like yeah, it's a good Alien movie. Resurrection. I think they're yeah. like kind of pieces of shit, but I like them. Whereas yeah. I wouldn't be able to say that about like Terminator 4 or 5. 12, whatever. Like, I couldn't tell you I actually liked them, partially because I could not tell you what happens in the various ones. Like, I know Sarah Connor is, like, uh, not Sarah Connor, the, like, wife of John Connor. (laughs) Now it's getting weird. Uh, Like, John Connor's wife is, like, Claire Danes in one of them, I think. 
Is she? Oh my I god, don't, I'm confused. See, this is what this is the problem. Whereas I can I actually like keep, keep track true. of like, okay, this this wacky shit happened in Alien Resurrection. But they both are long-running franchises with like truly beloved, iconic, you know, foundational sci-fi stories. Um, mm-hmm. especially in the first couple of movies. So it's it's one of those things where I kind of want to hear how you feel about some of this, where it's like, do you still have enough love for the foundational kind of product to go and be excited about a movie in this franchise as well? Because, like, I'll go see everything that's alien, even if it's, like, a pile of flaming shit. Like, I'll see it. You know, just I- just to see it. Uh, not at all, honestly. Okay, like, gotcha. And, gotcha. and it goes back and forth in time, right? And then uh-huh. it's hard, like... I am not one of those people. Like, I don't I don't fall in love with the universe. Sure, say sure, this. sure. Yeah. I fall in love with the piece. For instance, with Alien, I like Alien and Aliens. I like sure. Aliens 3, but... Sure, sure. Different thing. Um, And with Terminator, I like Terminator and Terminator 2. The most recent one I was actually excited about because I knew Linda Hamilton was in it. Right. And, and I, I, like, really- I love her and Mackenzie Davis. So I'm like and sitting here thinking, I- maybe... Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it sounds like you saw it. I don't know. Was it all right? It, that's the thing. I don't remember much from it. Uh, um, yes. I was excited to watch it. And like you said, I also love Mackenzie Davis. Is yes. What yes, I was yes. going to say. So it's good. So it was kind of like, oh, Linda Hamilton is back. Mackenzie Davis. It's yeah. a very like female driven plot. Uh, from my recollection, there, the T-1000 or whoever the Terminator is, is incredibly scary. It's a, I just remember finding it an interesting movie and loving Linda Hamilton in it, but sure, uh, sure. I don't remember much of it. I just, that's the thing. I don't feel tied to a specific uh, universe. I don't feel obligated to watch it unless it excites me. The Christian Bale stuff, I don't even remember if I've watched it. Oh my God, that's right. He was John Connor. Christian Bale exists in the Terminator universe. Oh my it's God. The, and Claire Danes was on Terminator 3. You were right. Rise of the Machine. It was. I okay. Totally yes. I forgot yes. about that. But yeah. So my allegiance is to Terminator 1 and 2. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. That's fair. And again, we, because that's also my thing. Like, I love some modern action movies. We talked about Mad Max Fury Road. Perfect. A yes. masterpiece. Yes. But in general, my sensibilities align more with 80s and 90s yeah. action movies. Yeah. Fair. So, Very fair. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into uh, since we talked a little bit about some of the characters, the sort of general feel of the movie. You talked about associating it more with the 80s. Yeah, I I don't know why. (laughs) I understand. I understand what you mean. Sure, sure. (laughs) And that's the the thing for me that I find so intriguing because it does have an 80s feel, feel, but it also has a 90s feel, even though it's 91. And it kind of feels like it both encompasses the decades and kind of advances them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, especially the effects. Like, the effects, Mm -hmm. I agree completely. And I also agree with loving them, even if they look a little bit dated. I really Mm -hmm. love them. I, like, genuinely like the way that the liquid metal looks and the way that, you know, the, the human form or humanoid form, I suppose, like, reforms and is like recompiled in strange and interesting ways. Like I actually, I do like that. And that does feel very much like, okay, this looks like an eighties effect, but it's filmed on a nineties camera, but it also looks really good and has like an interesting and weird texture. I don't know. I'm tripping over my words now, but there is something specifically about the effects that put it in such a specific place in time 
that is very appealing to look at for me. Yeah, and it's like, for instance, with the effect, of course, granted, this was an extremely expensive movie. Oh. I think maybe the most expensive yeah. up to that point. Sure. Um, I don't know for sure, but at least up there, it was, you know, so they have that going for them. But yeah. we've seen movies with big, big budgets completely fuck it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, Again, you might say later on in the Terminator franchise, you have a couple of exactly. examples of that potentially. You know? I just so. think the effects are smart and they're so yeah. creative. And that happens in a way. And again, I, I know I keep coming back to this, but I do feel like sometimes a lot of 2000 stuff feels a lot more dated than 90s stuff Absolutely. because of that. Yes. Right? Like, Agreed. I'll give an example because I was watching a Silent Hill uh, the day before yesterday. Um, oh, yeah. Why was I watching Silent Hill? I don't know. Uh, but I was we, listen, we all have moods, you know? <laughs> we all have our moods, and I would never go to judge anyone's moods when it comes to films, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jordan, our wonderful producer, is just saying that movie's all right. All right, all right. is a good word, all right? right. It, has, it yeah. has its moments. Um, but I hadn't watched it in a long time. And uh, now I remember, Rodrigo hadn't watched it, my husband. So I was like, okay, let's watch it. I remember there being some creepy stuff. And there, there are some interesting thoughts, but the effects look very strange. This is a much more modern movie than Terminator 2. There is a moment where there is a stab. Um, oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Rada Mitchell gets stabbed in the heart. Um, she doesn't die, though. Other spoiler. Um, <laughs> and the stab is so bad. I'm like, how could you fuck up a stab? Like, literally. This right. is like, you can do practical effects with this stab. Like, there are fake knives. I know. I've seen them. There is good fake blood. This is like terrible CGI. And then watching that and then Terminator 2 the next day was just such a contrast for, contrast for me because it's like, Terminator 2... Within its technical limitations, I think you find such interesting stylistic solutions that it makes up for the shortcomings. And the effects are still like pretty good. For instance, the scene that I um, sticks with me that I really love is Scott Patrick going through the bars in the yeah. uh, mental institution last year. Right? It's it's. It's so good. It's so well made. It's so interesting. I keep thinking about how much time it must have taken for them to accomplish that particular scene. And I'm guessing a lot of time and a lot of money. And it looks it. Um, so while I do, it's one interesting thing for me. And, and that could be something to do with my affection for the movie, of course. While I do feel like it is of a time, it feels also modern in other ways. Yeah. Um, right? Like... And the, the the visual identity of it, I just really, really love it because I feel like it's a movie that would work in snapshots, like beautiful photographs could be taken from basically every frame, but still you know that they belong to that movie. It's So when I talk about, you know, there's no such thing as, as perfection, and I'll get into it, there's a review that I read on Slant that kind of touches on the sort of more negative aspect, and I think sure. it makes some really valid points. But to me, this, when it comes to like a straight-up, honest-to-God action movie, it's yeah. just very hard to beat because it's got, you know, the, it's got a perfect like little visual identity that just speaks to it. It's got uh, your favorite word, Danielle. 
texture. Yeah. Texture <laughs> for days. It's got, you know, that little bit of humor. Um, it's got the 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 sort of like the emotional aspects of it and the not not just with Sarah Connor, but also in the bonding uh between T eight hundred and John Connor, um, which is a little sentimental and schlocky in some ways but like sure, I was sure. watching the scene of of John Connor teaching um T-800 to sound more human in the car <laughs> for the hundredth time and I still left yeah like, it's really good it's really really well right? done. like yeah yeah it still works so it's got that it's got the sort of like the quote-unquote message um that it's not too in your face it doesn't get too philosophical um it's got, you know, like, it's got motive. It's got reasons. The soundtrack, amazing. You yeah. Could Be Mine just works perfectly. They use it so well. So just, I feel like if you're going to, like, and, uh, you know, they accomplished a lot. It's a longer movie. We're talking about Robocop sure. being one, one hour 40. This is a little over two hours. And I will say, I do feel like sometimes the action extends itself more than maybe it needed to. Like, yeah, yeah. It could go back and trim a couple things. But all in all, I do feel like it just for the genre and like for yes. what it wants to be, it yeah. truly is like pretty, pretty close to. To perfect. What do you think? Yeah, I think it. Um, I think it takes you on that ride. And for me, when a movie can take me on that ride, even if I'm not like psyched, you know, especially psyched to go on that ride, it's <laughs> absolutely. You know, I just mean like in terms of like, were you not in the perfect mood for an action yeah. movie? But it yeah. fucking made you pumped up anyway. Made you want to go do some pull-ups. Made you want to go <laughs> save the world. Made you care about humans a little bit. Like, did it do that for you? Then it fucking yeah. did it. And this movie does that for me. And, like, that's incredibly important and an incredibly, like, useful thing <laughs> to have in my life even, you know? Like, I need pump-up stuff. I need a lot of pump-up stuff. And this is, like, old, reliable pump-up material. Right. It here. is. From the first shot we see of her doing the pull-ups to the to the absolute fucking banger of the thumbs up in the Promethean flames of unmaking at the end. <laughs> like, what a ride. And like, yes, I do think you could leverage some criticism against it. I do think, you know, you can look at it as being like a, a fairly prototypical action movie. Like, it is, yeah. Sure, sure. It's not like the plot is, like, going through any wild twists or anything like that. And it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't need to. This movie knows what it is, and it's doing an amazing job on every level, I think. Um, and it really, really is, like, again, it is getting you to those emotions. It's getting you to have those feelings. And it's working on all the levels, on all the aesthetic levels. So... It's, it is a timeless classic. I know we've been talking about time a lot, and I guess that's maybe a joke because it is sort of a time travel movie, kind of. I mean, there's only like 10 seconds in the future, but <laughs> the they had to travel. <laughs> <laughs> they do travel through time, so I think it yeah. qualifies as a time travel movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but the thing is, and yeah, like the plot, and, and here is the thing, right? To me, any time travel movie... Yeah. Is stupid 
for sure. Sure. <laughs> I may enjoy it, but it's stupid. If you dig into it, like there's going to be ridiculous holes. Like I still don't understand if Kyle Reese only came to the past because John Connor sent him and he only ex- and John Connor only existed because he fucked Sarah Connor. How? It doesn't make sense. I know. It's a fucking logical I loop. <laughs> I guess you have to, you have to do the thing where it's like you created another timeline. Yeah. Like that like okay, you made a change and now this yeah. has actually changed things forever. Yeah. And like something had to exist before that, but now you've changed things and now it's another timeline and maybe that other yeah. timeline does keep existing somewhere in the universe and our brains just aren't big enough to understand how to hold multiple universes in our brain. I guess that's the mental fucking gymnastics I do with that kind of shit. Um, But I completely agree. Like, it really is like, it really is like, what's the opposite of plot armor? Like, it's like plot debuff or something, right? (laughs) Like, it's just like, all right, go with it, I guess. (laughs) You know? Yeah, but that's it. That's exactly what I have to do, right? Like, some things like, oh, I have... I'm coming, like, even, uh, you know, Arnold comes back from the future and is like, well, my directive is to ob- obey you at all costs. And it's like, would they do, why, why? Like, would you obey a teenage, like, would they send you from right, the future like and say, obey this teenager? In this movie, right? Like, he's like a child, a baby child. Like, a literal <laughs> child. And exactly what Sarah says, like, oh, like, you should have survived the mission. You should have, like, worried about yourself and you did this dangerous thing, breaking in and trying to rescue me. And well, I guess you could argue that maybe he needs Sarah to become who he needs to be. And we can do all this sort of logical, um, you know, contortionism that we need to make this fit in our heads. And like you said, I feel like just, yeah, there was a rip through the time space continuum and all things can exist simultaneously. And now there's Um, a little bit of hope for the future as we drive at midnight in the same shot. (laughs) <laughs> that we talked about earlier, which is, like, honestly delightful. I do it like is. that it's, like, a little bit, like, it's a little bit pretentious to use that word. I know. It is. I know. I know. It's a bad word that we shouldn't use all the time. But, like, a little. But it's, it I don't care because it's earned. Because it's, like, yeah, we're driving on the highway at midnight. We're thinking about time and shit. And I have a theory, and this, I guess, maybe slightly goes into this, but that Americans are only fully honest and, like, fully in their feelings while they're driving. And, like, that's when they get really mm. philosophical and really, like, you know, man. And that's, like, when you, when Americans <laughs> like to talk about the future and about, yeah. you know, big philosophical ideas. And that's, this is Sarah Connor doing that for us. You know, okay. we have the shot of, like, the highway at night, and she's like, now I've got hope for and like thinking about her driving with her little sunglasses. Cause of course she wears sunglasses at night. Cause that's the kind of person she is. And she's just like sitting there with John, teaching him life lessons and being like, John, I've got hope for the future now as we're driving. And I'm honest with you. So there you go. My head canon of what's going on in that shot. Uh, <laughs> you're it was very a welcome. past before, before podcast ruined everything for us. That's <sighs> true. Cause now we don't, we don't have to be alone with our thoughts anymore. Yeah, it's, it's so true. instead of like pondering about life in long drives, we're listening about murder. Um, or maybe that's just that's me and point. a lot of no, no, that's a good white point, ladies. That's so a good point. Now, maybe, when can Americans be honest anymore? Nowhere, and that's the problem with life. <laughs> we solved it. <laughs> 
maybe the new inevitable Terminator should deal with how podcasts brought about the demise of mankind. I think that's what it is. And like, so it's going to be like a little hard drive, like going into the fire at the end, like the little, and it's like a little hard drive burning up and it's, that's somehow all the podcasts. I don't know. (laughs) In the hard drive. I personally love the sort of recourse of like, I'm just going to put a voiceover to like tie loose in. Me too. <laughs> I don't like, care if it's corny. I love it. It's so cheesy. Even like, okay, we all understood that there's like a dead like bond forming between John and T-800. Yeah. But in case that wasn't very clear, we're going to put Sarah voiceover out of nowhere in there to like explain this to us in no uncertain terms. In like fucking detective novel terms, right? Like exactly. it was an insane choice in an insane time. Like, yes! Honestly, I love that. I love it. Like, I don't, I love corn and cheese. I do. Like it belongs in an action movie. Action movies can be cartoonish. We can be cartoonish with the action. You know, dudes are getting bullet holes all over them and they're fine. Like, that's a little cartoonish, right? So it's fine to be a little cartoonish with the schmaltz as well. Like, lay it on. Honestly, give me the schmaltz. I enjoy it. I will eat it up for dinner and enjoy it. And again, we talked about this, right? There's a time and place for everything. Like, when I talk about really thinking this movie is near perfect I talk about it being near perfect for what it is like you're not gonna fucking compare it to some freaking I don't know Godard shit like these are (laughs) they existed like fucking Orson Welles like they existed entirely different planes and you're gonna be frustrated if you want one to be like the other that's true yes not gonna happen so within this universe like Again, we can look at it with our 2022 eyes and make some different choices here and there. Uh, but as a general thing, I feel like this cheese works. Um, I did read a slant, uh, like I was mentioning, a slant review by Chuck Bowen. Uh, it's from yes. 2017. And it's it's a lot of words, uh, so I'm sure. not going to read the whole thing. But it does sure. have some valid... It, it makes some like interesting thought experiments about how, you know, James Cameron did the thing where John, well, where where John teaches the TH-100 not to kill. And that makes us as an audience uh, feel more at ease because we're inserted in this like super, super ultra violent sort of universe. Uh, And he mentions James Cameron, the specialist at making super violent uh, content for children. And again, the Terminator (laughs) is part of children's universes like RoboCop. And I would argue RoboCop makes a lot less sense for a child to watch than uh, Terminator 2. A hundred percent. Right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. Terminator 1 is darker. Terminator 2. It's much darker. Yeah. It's kind of our hopeless feel, I think, throughout. Yeah. So it's more like a action-y schlock. Uh, and he sort of relieves our guilt as, you know, viewers uh, because we don't get to root for people dying, uh, which is interesting. And then, you know, at the end, again, won't read the whole thing, but makes a, a comment, uh, and I quote, 
Striving for an epic, Cameron overdoes the repetitive scenes of familial bonding and vehicle and building shattering chaos, <laughs> and his pointed disinterest in the existential quandaries raised by the machines, particularly by the T-1000's fluid identity, grows increasingly distracting throughout the film. Uh, why doesn't the T-1000 better use its gift for shape-shifting, uh, which is clearly inspired by the creature of John Carpenter's The Thing? Because Cameron is obsessed with pummeling momentum above individual specificity. If this his work has a philosophy, it's one of ceaseless pragmatic exertion. Um, and he goes on to talk about how that philosophy is marred in T2 because uh, by, and again, his words, sloppy convictionless sentimentality. Um, and kind of talks about how the duality of uh, Schwarzenegger's like sort of kindergarten cop um you know, cute, cuddly thing, uh, how it contrasts with the sort of the killer machine that he is and like that it's good for friction, but that it kind of like flattens the film. And (laughs) while I don't necessarily agree, it's on my experience watching it, I can understand um, where he's coming from. Like you were saying, like, I think it's a very like, very straightforward action movie in many ways, including the way in which like a lot of it is not meant to do anything but entertain, but to be sure. like mindless fun. And as we were talking about, like to me, that works within its context. Um, yeah. If that's what you're looking for, if that's what you want out of a movie, that's what you're going to get. It does it in a way that a lot of action movies that came afterward, I think, failed to do because then they can be all that and boring. They can be all that and soulless. They can be all that and just like visually generic to the point where, like you were saying, things just melt together in our mind. While I feel like movies like T2 and Robocop, they manage to stand out whether you like them or not. They exist in their own little universe. To me, it's just really honestly an achievement. But in the realm of uh, negatives, Danielle, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I mean, for me, again, like this and Aliens both have the, it's a, I, again, I wouldn't call this like a a bad thing necessarily, but it is something that is very like, okay, they're, they're both movies that care a lot about the family unit, right? And like, what does a family unit do? And they're, they're both, again, interestingly working without having like sort of a hetero romance at the front and center of it, which is sort of like, okay, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. I can deal with that. Um, Yeah. But I do, I do understand what this critic is saying. Like, there is a real-ass thing here in terms of, okay, a person who has generally anti-war sentiment and is making an anti-war, uh, you know, that's kind of the thesis here, that humans make war and we got to stop that from happening. Like, oh, your kind destroys itself. Like, that's kind of the thesis here. That's the message here. But it is also like an action movie with a lot of fucking explosions and a lot of things mm-hmm. blowing up and it has a lot of fun with its toys, Right. And, like, there is a fundamental, critical bit of grappling there, right, between mm-hmm. the two. Um, so I do, I, I I don't think this is, like, Terminator 2's fault is, is the thing. I wouldn't attribute this, like, to this movie and say this is, like, oh, this is, you know, this movie could never be good because of this. So, I, you know, I'm not sure if that's exactly what this person is saying. I'm, I haven't read the whole thing. But I, I do agree that this is a fundamental issue with action movies that aren't, like, pro-war, <laughs> Right. Like that is a fundamental thing about the action genre that like it is both. It is true both that human beings can be atrocious to each other. And that's fucking horrible. And two, it's fun to fucking blow shit up. Like we all know this. We all were children who enjoyed throwing blocks around the room. It doesn't mean we actually want to kill people or hurt people, but that there is something fun about destruction. 
right? Like yeah. there is just something very core to our id that is like fun about like watching the the fake truck, you know, crash through the bridge or whatever it is, right? Like these are two ideas that are in conflict. And again, I would argue that's like core to the action genre and how much a movie like acknowledges how much it's playing in that space versus like, you know, is like relatively sober and saying like war is bad. But also I am going to have a fucking blast with my metal dude who's liquid metal, who's stabbing the shit out of people and running around in the truck. Like this is just an issue with the genre, uh, I think. And with frankly, with film and fiction in general. Like, humans are complicated little critters. We have a lot of shit going on upstairs, and some of it's kind of ugly, and some of it isn't as ugly as we tell ourselves it is. You know, both of those are true. And that I I agree with this general core statement about, like, (coughs) excuse me, no, maybe you're not making the perfect, like, anti-war sentiment here. Yeah. Because you're having so much fun with blowing shit up. But (laughs) I also think that, like, it's okay for a movie to... You know, I do actually think it's okay for a movie to contradict itself. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, there are problems with certain genres, and that doesn't mean that, like, oh, that something can't be fucking awesome and an interesting piece of art even, and a piece of art that's worth looking at and talking about and critiquing and yeah. criticizing when appropriate. But it is also true that this movie is incredibly entertaining. It does have these amazing performances and does have, like, a message that is good, even if you are maybe inherently undermining it by having a lot of fun with explosives. Like, I I have room in my brain for both, personally. And I think that most people do. I agree. To be honest, you know? Yeah. So there we you have it. We talk about this a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, we talk about you, this a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, you, uh, in your, like, particular fondness for the horror genre, which is not as without its flaws, right? Especially of course. It's yeah. been executed over the years. And me with the action genre, like... Yes we can be people who we again danielle contain multitude <laughs> yes but in this uh, particular review that this is the part that i thought was uh, very interesting when sure. it talks exactly about that this contradiction i just want to end the fi- uh end the, with the final line because he talks about how uh, the recycling of Terminator and Aliens uh, underscores that, and I quote, his true passion resides in the very effects and violence that has forced himself to consciously decry in this narrative. Cameron's at war with the crass megaplex culture that he helped to pioneer, his Miles Dyson. And it's like, there it is. (laughs) He is. He kind of is. He kind of is. But it's not necessarily as big a problem as maybe this critic thinks. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I'm yeah. right there with you. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can see it, but also I still fucking love it. So yeah. you can see my predicament, uh, which by the <laughs> way, we're yeah. about to wrap up soon. But uh, yeah. justice for Miles Dyson, I guess, who suffered yeah. a gruesome, yeah. gruesome death uh, that was less lamented than the death of an actual robot. Right. <laughs> Right, my guy got a little screwed. Like, I think my guy got a little screwed. Like, he, I mean, he is such a classic, like, Frankenstein story of, like, oh, you know, my mm-hmm. creation kind of thing. You know, oh, playing yeah. with fire, the Promethean sort of myth. I don't know why I'm all about Prometheus today. I, I've mentioned it, like, three times, both the, like, real goofy, not great, but kind of fun movie, and also, like, the actual Prometheus myth, because I keep calling it that. 
the fire at the end in the foundry. It all goes back to Prometheus. <laughs> I guess it all does, you know, but it really, he really is the, like, the guy who's playing with fire here, right? So I guess it's it's one of those. But I do feel a little bad for my guy. He seems like a nice dude. He has a <sighs> nice family. Like, he's just a scientist, right? He's not trying to, like, kill everyone, you know? He believed them right away. And he was like, no questions asked. He, he thought did. that this he was down. Karm. Yeah, he was down <laughs> to try to unmake the bad thing. Like, he really was. My guy was down, I was like, so. I wouldn't have done that. If somebody goes to the vision, like, you destroy a thing. First of all, I'd be like, I'm not smart enough uh, to destroy <laughs> the planet, by the Humanity. way. But <laughs> for starters, okay, let's start with that. Like, no, I'm just going to go... Uh, quit uh, and they're, they're like oh that's not enough oh you want me to also destroy my life's work and probably commit a crime and put myself in harm in the process right. sure let's fucking go he <laughs> does the right thing and then he's a hero and then he, he dies and we don't have time to go into this debate because we've also talked about how how often the people of color serve as sort of like this hero sacrifice yeah, in the movie. Yes, yes. We had this discussion. What was it? Was it with the core? I think it was the core. We did. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. We super did. Um, which in the core, I remembered it being kind of worse than it was in the movie. So it's like, yeah, it's one of those that like, yeah, it's kind of see this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, he's like a genius fucking scientist who is even smart enough to destroy the planet. And who among us can say that? I sure right? as hell cannot. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Miles, I can't. You yeah. Almost destroyed everything. Good on you. That's an achievement. Good Without on you for like seeing <laughs> seeing the error of your ways because like a really strange robot man came in and also like a really, you know, kind of scary looking white lady did shoot you a little bit. That's not the best thing that ever happened. And Just, then her son came in and stopped. <laughs> like the thing. The wildest thing to think about is this movie from, like, the point of view of his family. Like, they're yeah. just hanging. They're having a normal ass day. And then these three come in. And it's like, what? 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 Like, play with- <laughs> this lady comes like, not just shooting. Like, with a freaking machine a- gun. <laughs> completely like, an arsenal from an army. House. Yeah, like, and what? And then this little kid with a public enemy t-shirt comes right? in with this big... Dude, who has an arm that is like a machine, and they're yeah. all telling you they're from the future. Like I, w- I, yeah, I need the sequel about Honestly. how this family. <laughs> <laughs> Terminator Three should have been about them. I think. <laughs> I think it should have been with the fucking trauma that they yeah. were just uh, put through. Seriously. But I guess uh, I'll do one final mention to Arnie. The OG. We didn't even talk about him oh, during yes. the show because I feel like there's no need. But I will say that every time someone criticizes Arnie as an actor, I just need to show them T2 and be like, tell me this is not range. Tell me this is not That's warmth. True. Tell me That's this true. is not depth. Tell me this is not, you know, Oscars, uh, Golden Globes, Lifetime Achievement Award stuff. Because he went from being just a, an emotionless killing machine in one movie to this warm and fuzzy also killing machine, but who doesn't kill anymore, <laughs> just shoots knees in the second movie. Like, <laughs> growth. That is growth. That is growth. And like we talked about last week on RoboCop, genuinely projects warmth and humor and human emotion, even because he's a even though he's a robot who doesn't really have many emotions. He's doing it. He is charming and he is interesting to watch in this whole movie, doing that that thing. So he's got it. 
I think he's got it. Arnie's got it. So I feel okay. I'm I, I feel like I got a lot off my chest in this one, Danielle. Yeah. But do you have yeah. anything else you want to discuss before we move into our final segment of the show? No, I feel very good about this. I feel very, very, very good about this. So I feel like we are ready, geared up with our machine guns and cool sunglasses to move into <laughs> the final segment of the show, which we like to call Shelf Life. shelf life the last but certainly what least segment of the show which is when we decide where the movie that we just discussed belongs in our beautiful neighborhood video store is it a bona fide staff pick to be displayed proudly is it a middle aisle placement which totally fine no shame in that or does it belong in the dumpster out back danielle what is your verdict I think this is a staff pick. I don't see it going any other way than being displayed proudly right up there with RoboCop, right up there with Mad Max, like as a great action movie, like an all-time great action movie. Uh, It is a classic, and I think it's on our staff pick shelf. I feel like my, my opinion here is probably a little predictable. Are you saying the dumpster? No. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Hate it. Uh, (laughs) This was all a big prank. I actually hate this movie and I just wanted you to make you think I liked it because reasons. Um, (laughs) It's a long time. I'm a troll. (laughs) My whole participation on this show has been a whole troll job for no reason. I know. For me, it's obviously... (laughs) Clearly a staff pick. I would admit, I admit, like I came into it sort of like expecting to put it there. We've talked about this. We've mentioned this in the past and we all know that this is uh, one of my personal favorites. But again, and we judge based on the, what the movie is setting out to do, what the movie wants to offer, the experience, the feeling and judging all of that. I cannot place this beautiful movie anywhere else. So it's a pretty easy staff pick. And again, I feel like this might be a month where things go a lot. <laughs> I, I think so too. I think so too. We might be we might be doing bangers this month. That might be what we're doing. Yeah. We are kind of picking our favorites. But yeah. yeah. So yeah. I guess that settles it. Another beautiful staff pick to be displayed proudly yes. in our beautiful video store. And that is all for this week. Thank you, as usual, to my wonderful co-hosts for joining me. Thank you all at home for listening. Thank you to our fantastic producer, Jordan. You say no problemo, Mallory, for helping (laughs) make this show rule. If you're tired of listening to us and you want to say some stuff too, that's cool because we also happen to love hearing from you. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, by all means, head on over to our Discord at fanbyte.casa or send us an email to yltsi at fanbyte.com. That's 
our initials. You can send us our reviews. You can send us your reviews, your recommendations, your questions, any general feedback. Everything is appreciated. We might even read it on the show. Who knows? We love to read it anyway. And if you like the work we do, want to show some support, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify. It really helps us out. You can find links to our other podcasts, our Discord, and our socials in the show notes. We will see you all next week. And until next time, you love to see.